Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we aim to keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. I'm Olivia Agar. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. We are covering the big ticket item this week and bringing in Nick Booth, who's our resident grain market commentator and director of Next Level Grain Marketing, to help try and bring a little bit of clarity to this hectic grain market in response to the Ukraine-Russia war. Now, obviously, there's a lot of terrible news wherever you look at the moment, and our thoughts are really going out to those communities in New South Wales and southern Queensland. It's still very early days to assess the impact, but as can be expected, supply chains from end to end are going to be affected. There were some sale yards that didn't conduct sales this week. Road closures are affecting transport. There's flood damage to some processing facilities. And then there's the on-farm damage, and that's going to take a long time to get a handle on. We just hope that there's support out there for those that need it. Also, keep in mind this episode was recorded on the Thursday, the 3rd of March. New information is causing extreme volatility in the grain market at the moment. We have more questions than answers, but what is becoming clearer is that we are undergoing a big shift in commodity trade flows. So strap in, enjoy the episode, and most importantly, take care. Meridian Agriculture is a multidisciplinary specialist consultancy established by Dr. Mike Stevens. Meridian 16 consultants spread across six locations in New South Wales and Vic employ an evidence-based scientific approach to farming and a personalized manner with their clients. Meridian specializes in improving both financial and operational aspects of farming enterprises and guiding families through the often difficult transition of succession planning. Head to their website meridian-ag.com.au to learn more. Well, thanks so much for coming on Commodity Conversations today, Nick. I feel like it's probably been about three months now that I've been on the edge of my seat following your weekly grain reports for Mercado and you do a very good job of trying to make sense of the vortex of information and news that the grain market is trying to swallow at the moment. So I'm looking forward to getting your take on it today. Uh, thanks, Liv. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it's uh, certainly been a, um, an interesting, um, yes, yeah, sort of three or four months. Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, it's hard to find a place to start. I think it's it's pretty accurate to say that the market's in pure panic mode and has been since Russia invaded Ukraine. The, we've got the futures markets that are just bouncing all over the place, even though we did see that risk premium built into the market already. So there's just a lot to comprehend for the trade, but uh, we might just start with getting the facts right first and touch on the significance of Ukraine and Russia in the grain market. Yeah, sure. Look, I think even, even if we go further back, if I can live the, you, you touched on the fact that there was already a risk premium being built into the mask market. And that's, you know, you're 100% right. I mean, we, we had some fundamental issues around a, a shrinking South American soybean crop and 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 obviously, you know, global stocks were were at the the pretty skinny end of of um, uh, from a historical perspective as well. So sort of global, sorry, major exporters tracking at around thirteen percent stocks to use. So getting a little uncomfortable there as it is. But obviously, you know, initially when we started off seeing the Russian troops build up on um, the eastern border with Ukraine, and and that raised a few eyebrows and will they, won't they type of rhetoric started. And that did build up, a, again, a nice little premium. And some of these other issues around production seem to get swept up or swept away fairly quickly. And then, obviously, 
you know, in the space, I can't believe it's only been seven days, but obviously in that that time there has been a the, the you know, global wheat market has been virtually tipped on its head. So yeah, so interesting times. Yeah, yeah, very long seven days for me and for you, I'm sure, Nick, and, oh. and a lot of other people. Um, yeah, well, I mean, we, we we are sitting in a very privileged position in a in the southern hemisphere, and and we're safe, and it's summer, and it's autumn now, and it's uh, you know we're we're um, we're a million miles away from it, but but you know watching this unfold and and the ramifications um, are really. Uh, only just starting to dawn on us, I think, and 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 the, the wheat futures markets are exactly the same. I think, you know, when you look at Russia and Ukraine, you know, they account for thirty percent of the world's global wheat exports. Now, certainly, they've had a pretty active um, exporting program up to date, but but as of last Thursday, the uh, the gates were, were drawn on that very sharply. There is no navigation on the Black Sea. Um, there's effectively a blockade of military access up through the um from the black sea the sea of azov is is blockaded by the russians um all the ports all the port infrastructure along the ukrainian and and um western russian uh coastlines are effectively halted you have big traders cargo bungy adm have all pulled out effectively and and while there have been a few commodity vessels that have tried to load any of your Listeners would have possibly noted that a, a vessel uh, flagged to Bangladesh was actually hit by a Russian missile, um, resulting in a crew member's death. So, so the risks to to export out of the area are, are just phenomenal. And I mean, most countries have flagged that they have that they have sanctions on on trade with that area. But China has said that they are willing to to buy Russian products. So what might that mean? Yeah, well, yeah. The, the, the sanctions that have been put in place, I mean, again, in the space of seven days, uh, you know, it, it, it's likely to cripple the Russian economy if it hasn't already. Uh, it's going to make doing business out of Russia for Russian exports incredibly difficult. Um, but you're right, there are a few countries. Um, China recently signed a deal to accept uh, Russian uh, wheat and barley. Pakistan have flagged that they'll buy two million tons. There are a few other countries that have a neutral status, I guess, towards Russia, and will will likely to continue the the trade. So, but you know, having said that, you know, there's uh, effectively there's there's an additional 20, 25 million ton of of wheat that had was was supposed to have a home, was going to be heading to a destination. Um, which has suddenly been landlocked. And, um, you know, we're going to find that's going to be hard to replace. Um, as I mentioned before, that, you know, global stocks, given that it's, it's um, still four months away from the new um, Northern Hemisphere crop from being realised, um, you know, it's a long time to try and eke out um, the supplies that we do have. Yeah, so that block to the trade is one factor. And then we've also got, the Ukrainian new season production, which is the other factor that the market's trying to get a hold of. Can you talk us a little bit through that? Yeah, that's that's sort of the devil in the detail, I guess. It's, you know, this whole, what, what's happening with the market at the moment 
you know, I think if we see a quick resolution, then we might find that that the market falls and falls quickly. But if it drags on, then we're just likely to see this ongoing volatility and and risk being built into the market. Now that's that's just the the, the conflict side of things, but but looking at what is happening on the ground in Ukraine, I think there's a very real risk that the Ukrainian farmer is going to struggle to get their, their cropping. So traditionally they'll they'll start their, their spring plant program probably halfway through April. Um, it's not too dissimilar to here. So at this stage, you know, while there's it's an actual war zone, there's going to be very little field work being done. There are likely to be uh, severe limitations on the amount of diesel and, and energy uh, or, or um, fuel that, that is available. Well, you probably would have seen quite a few of the fuel dumps have been uh, targeted by artillery. So let alone unexploded ordnance, mines, who knows? I mean, it's the, 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 Rus- the, sorry, the Ukrainian farmer has has a lot of risks ahead of them, as does the world. And this tends, you know, this has the potential, I think, to blow out into a multi-year issue because, you know, if, if uh, we suffer the loss of Ukrainian production, then they produce something like 50% of the world's sunflower seed oil, so major implications for, for the oil seed sector there. They produce something like 17% of the world's corn something like 12% of the world's wheat, you know, they're, they are, they're big players and, and if they're not or if they're unable to get the crop in, let alone get it onto um, a vessel and export it, it um, is going to have some big implications. It's a scary thought and just stepping aside from the market aspects for a moment, when it's 30% of wheat coming from that area and, like you said, they're a big contribution to sunflower and, and those other products as well, that's a food security issue. Yeah, yeah, and that's that, that's going to create some problems for um, for the rest of the world. Obviously, um, the you know we, we've seen the prices for you know fob values for for grain um, landed into Egypt climb by oh, eighty US dollars a ton in the last week. Um, Egypt's cancelled two tenders, citing lack of offers simply because it's almost impossible to get grain out of the Black Sea, um, but also the, the, the cost. Um, so your food insecure nations are, are going to become, you know, pretty desperate. There is, you know, I think it, it does mean that maybe the Australian export program, which traditionally tends to wind up um, or at least slow down from July onwards, may see an extended period of activity. Um, Argentina, India is emerging as a potential uh, supplier, but you know while we have these problems hanging over our heads, um, I'd suggest that that the um, the end user, the buyer of of um, of wheat, of barley, of corn, of beans, of sunflower seed oil, canola, whatever, are going to be looking at some fairly elevated prices. Yeah, and it's just going to be a wait and see to how long this drags out, what areas of the country are affected to determine what sort of impact it's going to be. Yeah, exactly right. And unfortunately, there's there's a lot of you know, unknowns. And, and I think that is really being reflected in the volatility in that we're seeing in the market. 
Tell us a bit more about that volatility, Nick. What have we seen since the invasions happened on the futures market and then maybe what's happening domestically, if anything at all? Mm. Well, the, the futures market is, uh, well, I posted a, a meme, if you like, of a yo-yo and it's, it's a fairly fairly apt description. <laughs> it's, it's, it's up, it's, it's limit up. Um, in trades, it's and followed by a limit down, and, and and last night too was was interesting. If you watch the market, the we have now expanded limits. Um, it's gone from a maximum of fifty cent move to now seventy five cent move. Um, if we see multiple days of limit up across the board, we might see expanded limits again. So it just adds to the volatility that that we are seeing. Um, last night. The, the near months, so the spot months, so we, now we're talking March or May, um, they were up, limit up. But December, so the futures month that we would most closely align ourselves to being harvest time, was down 40 cents. Yeah, yeah, I was watching the market last night at midnight, nothing else to do, and um, you know, it, it, that December was up as well, and it, it lost 50 cents in a heartbeat. So it's just a crazy irrational market and and maybe maybe the market's thinking that that th- this this conflict will be resolved sooner rather than later time will tell yeah and what about locally Nick has there been any reaction because we know that shipping stems are full yeah. um, so <laughs> has there been anything we're certainly seeing cash, the cash market almost begrudgingly lift, but you know you you, you touched on the, the key point: the, the the ability to to move this grain into the nearby market is is almost impossible due to you know logistical issues at port. So certainly, you know, if there's still grain and there is still conflict as we move into the second half of the year, you know, we might find that those guys, as the shipping stem becomes. Um, less congested and, and more opportunities open up, we might find that we see some very attractive pricing going on. But, you know, as I, as I said at the start, that if we do get a resolution to this conflict, we might find that the prices pull back very, very quickly. So, yeah, so, the you know, while the, the cash market has has lifted a little bit, mainly for wheat um, and, and new season canola is actually um, looking very attractive at the moment as well. But for old crop, it's it's um, it's sort of dragging the chain a little. So for our growers that are thinking, of what do they do with this market at the moment? What are some of the key things that they should be considering? Oh, look, if they're if they're unsold, I think you know you to expect the, the cash market to climb higher. I, I think that's that will take time. I think if you're looking at at pricing grain for new crop, then I, I think you know you have to. Uh, go in with a with a degree of caution. Certainly, the, the market could fall and it could fall sharply. But you know, we, we might also see a situation where, so long as as Russia has boots on the ground in Ukraine, that that the price continues to march higher. And the one thing that is a given is that it, it, the market is going to be volatile. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that, Nick. And I think it'll be some time before anyone gets their head really wrapped around the situation and, and what it might mean over the long term? Yeah, uh, look, it, it will. Um, you know, we're going to see um, um, a lot of conjecture and, and um, you know, a lot of false starts, I suspect. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to need to see how quickly, you know, assuming this conflict does 
and hopefully sooner rather than later, then how does the crop go in? What is the supply of, of fertiliser going to be like? That's mm -hmm. not really we haven't even touched on. Um, yeah, the the cost of, of fertiliser, um, you know, Russia accounts for almost 40% of, of global exports, 17% um, of exports of urea and um, MAP and things like that. It's just a, it's a behemoth in that respect. Um, there are a lot of things to play out. The other thing is the 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 loss of the the Russian economy. What does that? How does that affect the the Russian farmer? So you know there are a lot of really big wheels um, in motion at the moment, and um, I don't think anyone really knows how they're going to play out. Yeah. Well, Nick will be continuing to read your grain reports with interest, I think, for the foreseeable future and really appreciate uh, you giving us your time to talk us through it today. Yeah, no worries, Liv. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Commodity Conversations. If you're looking for more detailed information on commodity markets, you can head to the Mercado website and pick up a premium subscription, which will give you full access to all our archive of reports as well as all the fresh analysis as it's delivered and access to our team of analysts. Thanks again, and until next week, take care.